0: Tonight, here's how the Q&A is going to work. First of all, let me just say this: it may not be Q&A. Some of it might be Q&R, more uh, question and response. We do not claim to have all the answers, but I promise you this: we will respond, even if the response is, (laughs) like, I might, we might not know the answer. But what we can commit to is, even if there's a question that comes about that we don't have the answer to we will commit to you to journey towards an answer alongside you. And that's one of the funnest things about stuff like this. Um, Our hope is that tonight, a sense of curiosity and intrigue and fascination would spark in your heart about God, about um, the mysteries of God, about the the complexities of the Bible and and who God is and how Jesus changed the world and about life and relationships, about what mine and Amber's favorite date night is, whatever. Like, whatever... (laughs) you want to ask tonight, there's a couple ways in which you can do that. First and foremost, we have uh, in front of us a handful of the questions that were submitted in the question box that were really good and I think pertain to everybody. top of that, I have a few that I received personally and through um, the Bridge social media platforms. And so there's some of those. But also tonight, there's two more ways in which uh, we're going to take questions if we have some right here tonight. Uh, number one if you have a question and you're like one of those really cool really awesome one of my favorite people in the room the bold people who are down to say I literally want to ask my question in front of 200 people right now like if that is you there's going to be a moment right after we pray where if you have a question like that uh, we're just going to ask you to stand and you're going to head to the back over to you see Joey right there if everyone could look around and say "Hey Joey!" hey Joey yeah that's Joey if you're a guy you're going to go find Joey and you're going to um, throw your question out to him. If you are a girl, uh, you're going to go see Josie. Everyone say, hey, Josie. Hey,
1: Josie.
0: You're going to go see Josie if you're a girl and uh, throw your question out to her. Um, if it's a question, this is a mixed crowd. We have everything from sixth grade to seniors and some young adult leaders and stuff like that. And so um, they're just going to kind of help in um, differentiating whether or not this is a question that should be asked to everybody or if it's better to be in a one-on-one setting. So if you are one of those awesome people that are like, yes, Give me a microphone. I will introduce myself. I will talk in front of and Ask my question. I love you. Like, you're my favorite. Um, go see them right after we pray. Um, but maybe you're not that type of person. And maybe uh, you're like, yeah, like, if you hand me a, a microphone, I will probably vomit all over it because I will be so nervous and I'll faint and then this will just be bad for everybody. Um, cool. Right down front we have Tamez right here who's going to be sitting on our Bridge Youth Instagram. And if you have a question that comes to mind throughout the night or maybe you already have one, um, go to Bridge Youth, uh, go to Bridge Youth uh, Instagram, DM us, and Tamez will let me know if we have any really solid questions that we want to answer there. So throughout the night, that's going to be what we're going to do. Let me say this. Tonight, our hope is that we would simply seek truth. I know there's a lot of now, there's a lot of churches, candidly, you guys, that will not do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. They will not do uh, Q&A. They will not take que- especially not taking questions on the spot, often because they're intimidated about what questions might come forward. And I just have so much confidence in God that, like, He is the answer to every single question. He has the answer to every problem, every conundrum, everything that we could ever go through. God has the answer. The answer yeah. is found in His Word and through a relationship with Him. Actually, Jesus literally said, I am the truth so when you need to find truth I often will skeptics and maybe you're even in this room someone who would um, some of you I know personally um, identify as an as atheist and and I would say to those people who are skeptical simply seek out absolute real truth because I believe when you do that you will find yourself coming face to face with our God coming face to face with Jesus because he is the way he is the truth he is the life amen cool hey let's pray and then we'll get into this god thank you so much for who you are god thank you that um thank you that you're in this place and god i pray that tonight would be fun i pray that we'd have a good time uh asking questions and god i pray that each and every one of us would know that it's okay to ask questions Mm -hmm. some people were raised in a church that said like no you can't ever question god or anything about god you can't have questions because that's a lack of faith god i pray get that out of us god there's spots in the word where people literally questioned you and and even kind of pressed you on some things God and and you almost love it it seemingly God it seemed like you loved that interaction and you even egged it on I think of of Abraham and the times he did that with you God and and even Moses questioning you asking you well well, if you're going to send me to the Egyptians tell me what's your name and God I pray that tonight that whatever questions we have we would bring them to you I pray for open hearts and open minds God I pray for anyone who might Um, who might take offense at any response that may be given. God, give us grace to just um, respond in love and, God, to respond with respect and with honor because every single person deserves that. God, I pray that absolute truth would be attained tonight. And, God, while the Raiders are on the bye week this week, help them figure something out. Good Lord. So stressed, God. I'm getting gray hairs because people are talking (laughs) trash on my man Derek Carr. God, would you strengthen him and his arm and his heart and his mind and help him to stop throwing so many interceptions? Help him to know that I love him personally. Maybe he'll watch this podcast, God. I don't know. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. We've been struggling, (laughs) y'all. All right, get comfy. Lay on back. Hey, if you have a question right now that you're already thinking of, we're going to get to a question, but you can head to the back. You can find Joey. You could find uh, Josie. Um, maybe you want to submit your question via social media, via social media. Um, go ahead and DM um, bridge Youth, bridge, Y-T-H, underscore, and we'll get to that. All right. The first question I wanted to get to was a really cool one. Um, here's what it is. What are some characteristics necessary for Christian leadership, for Christian leaders, for ministry leaders? Um, who in this room you maybe feel called to um, lead people or to ministry in some way, shape, or form? Awesome. Okay, cool. Does anybody in the room feel like maybe one day, as a, if, you know, as a believer, that maybe one day uh, you might be like a business owner or a CEO? Raise your hand, Tamez. We all know you're going to be a business owner, or <laughs> a CEO. You basically already are. Um, cool. Uh, who in the room you feel like maybe at some point you are going to be a mother or a father? All right. We're still wondering about that. People are like, you guys are 29 and you don't have kids? I'm like, we have 250 kids at youth. Like, what do we need kids for? Um, okay, so if you raise your hand for any of those things, Um, you're going to be a leader in some way, shape, or form. This response will be a little bit more framed around the idea of ministry, church leadership, Christian leadership. Um, But the question, once again, what are the characteristics necessary for Christian leaders? My response would be this. It's something in the Bible called the fruit of the Spirit. If you're you're a note taker, I love you more, God loves you more, you're going to have a Lambo in heaven, all right? If you're not taking notes, what's wrong with you? And actually, we have some notebooks that we can give to people next week, huh? Yes. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody donated some notebooks. Actually, the same person who did the Stranger Things video, yep. a young lady named Rachel Lardo. Yeah. So as of next week, none of y'all have any excuse on why you don't take notes in church. But if you're taking notes, um, write this verse down. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23. Galatians, G-A-L-A-T-I-A-N-S, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 23. Here's what it says. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here it is, there's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's nine things there. And I would say, one of the things if you wanna be in in church leadership and Christian leadership, these are nine things that are inarguably going to have to be a part of your life. Um, and notice this: notice that they are called the fruit of the spirit. They're not called the fruits of the spirit. There's no plural there. Why? Because it's many parts of one fruit. Yeah. As in, you don't get to pick and choose. All right. Some of you are. Some of you all in the room are like, yeah. Like I'm really, really loving. But I'm not patient. When I get to Starbucks and they're taking way too long, I'm a PSL, I'm going to freak out. Starbucks is Starbucks. PSL (laughs) is pumpkin spice latte. For anyone in the room who's not extremely white. Temez had his uh, first PSL the other day. He loved it. It was good. We was PSL sisters for a minute at the Punky Patch. But, um... You must display these 9 things in your life consistently. The next thing I'll say, and this will be the last thing I say about what it, what characteristics you need to have in your life as a Christian leader is you must be submissive and teachable. God will never allow you to lead until you first learn to follow. Some will say amen. God will never elevate you to a platform that you don't have the character to sustain. Meaning that if you don't know how to follow, if you don't know how to be a... Let me say say it like this. If you right now are in a position where you are not the leader, but you are a follower, maybe within the church or maybe within your sports team or a club or in your family, know this. The type of follower you are now is the type of follower you will have later when you're the leader. Like when you're at at your job, a saw Isaiah over... At his job the other day, had some delicious squash uh, soup. It was fantastic. Um, (laughs) You don't like it? You're crazy. It's delicious. Okay. To each his own. But, like, the type of employee you are now is the type of employee you'll have when you're the manager, when you're the CEO, when you're the business owner. So, so much of that comes down, especially in church leaders. We'll tell our leaders all the time. We don't want or need perfect leaders. What we want is teachable and submissive leaders. Some of the great, not, let, me re, let me rephrase that. The greatest leaders I've seen come out from underneath our ministry have been leaders who have allowed me to say things like, you're being dumb, this was a terrible decision, what are you thinking you're better than this? And they go, okay, yeah, how can I do better? What can I change? What can I do better? If you're not teachable and submissive, you will simply not make it through the gauntlet of Christian leadership. Christian leadership, it absolutely, like in the kingdom, leadership is like an elevator. You don't get to skip any floors. You ever play that game to see how many stairs you can skip as you're jumping up the stairs? It's not like that in, in Christian leadership. It's not like that in the kingdom. You, can, you can't skip a single level. You must be open to correction. You must be open to uh, uh, um, submission to somebody else. You must be teachable and you gotta have the fruit of the spirit displayed in your life.
2: Good looking. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah.
1: All right. So I'm gonna come from the perspective of believers. As believers, um, being a Christian. Do you know that Christian means little Christ? It means we, you know, we imitate Christ, and so that's why we need to know the word, know what He did on this earth, and how He walked it out, and that's our example. And so I kind of want to come from the perspective of if you're a believer we are called to be the leaders in the world, not just in church ministry, but like everywhere you go, like into Starbucks and into your schools. Like you are called to be the leader if you're a Christian in general, if you're a believer. And so what I think is so important is in Philippians two, it talks about having the attitude of Christ. And I think this, uh, little set of scripture just really beautifully shares what it looks like to have the attitude of Christ. And this is, as a believer, we should have this, not just, oh, I want to help at the church, so I should have this attitude. No, if you are saying, I believe God and I am saved, you should be walking out everyday life like this. And so it says in Philippians 2, it says, it talks about agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose, Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves, don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. We're called to serve. We're called to not be selfish. As Christians in general, it's not just being in these leadership positions that we have to have this attitude of Christ. As a believer, we need to begin to walk that out. And it's a journey. Like, don't feel overwhelmed. You know, we're going to, even at 29, I'm still walking out a lot of selfish things that I do. And a lot of attitudes that I have that are not of Christ. And so, don't beat yourself up, but have progression we talk about that a lot here and i think at bridge youth we are about progression um as a believer it's not about perfection it's about just progressing each day and doing better the next and learning and growing and being open and so i just wanted to share a little bit about the attitude of christ
0: that's really good Hey, I think we have some. It looks like quite a bit of questions. We do. We have a nice little line.
2: So we have Austin Alexander. Man, so cool. He has two first names. Let's go. Right. He's in the sixth grade, and here's his question: Um, Why did God make the um, tree of knowledge of good and evil Mm. when He knew that they were going to sin anyway?
0: Wow, that's a what's your name again? Alexander?
2: Austin Alexander.
0: Austin Alexander. Austin, that's like, that's a really, really good question. And for a sixth grader, that is next level stuff, brother. You are genius. Write a book someday or something, man. Or (laughs) people don't write books anymore. Start a YouTube channel one day. It's podcast now. Podcast. Do a podcast now. I'm so irrelevant. It's ridiculous. Um, Hey, that is a really good question. Here's why. Um, So his question is essentially, why would God, if you don't know, uh, when God created humanity, he began with two people, Adam and Eve. He created them in a sort of heaven-on-earth type of place called the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was perfect. It was perfection. There was no disease. There was no famine. There was no poverty. It was perfect. And God literally walked around with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Um, God essentially gave Adam and Eve dominion over the entire garden, over all the animals, over everything. And there was essentially one rule that he said. He said, you just can't eat from that tree, which, um, like Austin said, was a tree that he called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, that was the one rule. Eat from any tree. This is your spot. Like, I've given you dominion. This is your place. Just don't eat from that tree. Um and number one, I think it's so hilarious how often we as humans get so stuck on that because God made—I mean, I don't—we don't know for sure, but more than likely thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of trees that they can eat from, and yet we focus on the one. No, it was like yes, 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 no, yes, 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 and we're like whoa, 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 whoa. What's that over there? What's knowledge of the whata whata? The tree though, huh? What was that one? It was the no? And we get caught up on that. But it's a great question because often people say, isn't that a little bit like twisted? That God would put something there expecting them to fail? Furthermore, God is all-knowing, meaning he knows everything that's ever happened, ever will happen, everything that's happening right now. So God knew that Adam and Eve would mess up, that, he would make, that they would make the mistake of eating from the one tree he told them not to eat from. So if he knew they would mess up, why in the world would God put this tree in the garden. Fantastic question. Here's why. God is utterly obsessed with the concept, in fact, he created it, the concept called free will. At the very center and essence of real, true, genuine love is free will. Forced love is not love at all. In fact, forced love often will get you sent to jail. Right? So. so... God, so obsessed with real, genuine love, knew this. It would not be real love if there was not another option. Let me break it down like this. Imagine if, after youth tonight, I said, "Hey, everybody, um, we're gonna go, we're gonna go get dinner tonight. It's on me. I'm paying." No, I'm not. This isn't actually happening. Don't get your hopes up. I'm a youth pastor, balling on a budget. But imagine if it was this. All right, we're gonna go. Anywhere, it, like Hannah, you get to choose. Anywhere in the world that you want to eat, we're all going to go there. You get to choose any, any spot, any spot, as long as it's Panera Bread or Panera Bread. Your choice. <laughs> if you have complete free will. Complete free will. Panera Bread or Panera Bread. Already you guys have caught on. You guys are like, wait, there was no option there. So imagine God in the Garden of Eden in the beginning said, guys, you have absolute free will. I want you to have complete 100% um, choice in this, but your choice is love me and worship me or love me and worship me. Here's what the the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil was. It was another option to keep intact the true essence of love. And the true essence of love is found within what's called free will. That's why God had to put the tree there. Because if not, it wouldn't wouldn't have been real love. It would have been manipulated love. It would have been manipulated free will. Yeah, guys, anything you want, me or me. It's up to you. Whatever you want, guys, you, you you can believe in God or you can believe in God. You can worship me or you can worship me. But that's not the character of our God. In fact, the essence of the gospel is free will. Mm -hmm. And so that's why God had to put the the tree in there so that the essence of true love would be held intact and it would be genuine, true, 100% free will. And us as humans with a sin nature continually and constantly turn turn to sin and away from God. And this is why we need a Savior. And since the beginning, since that moment, that jesus was the plan anything you want to add to that
1: simply put god did not create us to be a robot yep. okay uh, i think Corey explained it really well so yeah
0: not r2 not c3po
1: nope. no robots. although they're cool i love they're C3PO, fantastic it's awesome but, you know but um yeah god didn't create us to be a robot yeah. so
0: hey that's a great question austin yes. um temez uh, has a question on bridge youth that he Kay. thought would be good temez what's up Temez is on black mic. If we can get black unmuted, I can. Oh, sorry. there we are. All right. Uh, what are some practical ways that you can help lead someone to God who doesn't believe yet? Hey, that's that's really good. Um,
1: can I can yeah. I start? Go okay. <laughs> I have a couple things off Please the top do, of my. Please do, sweetie. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna allow I'm, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you take the reins on this one. You know. That I mean, as a, the man of God, I'm just gonna.
1: You're amazing. Pause and, I knew you were thinking. Who is, who is this I kn- guy? I knew you were thinking, so I just so was going to throw me like in a few book.
0: Things. What am I thinking right now?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: It, weird. I was literally thinking, <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking.
1: Whoa. Oh, stop it. I like one. Okay. So um, I think, you know, when I think about people in my life, some friends that I have that don't know the Lord um, and some family members that I have that don't know the Lord What's really important for me, to, like I remind myself of this, is to live a genuine faith. Yeah. Not a perfect faith. Nobody can live a perfect faith, number one. But you can kind of tell when someone's faking it, you know? And so the best tool you have is your life and your cr- Christian walk lived out genuinely and in a very real way, like not... Telling people, I figured it out, I have all the answers, I know it all, I got it all together. Okay, no you don't, (laughs) that's okay that you don't. But just being super honest and super genuine and, you know, being bold and courageous, you know, to to share your faith. And that comes with having a genuine faith. You won't be afraid to share it if it's genuine to you and if it's real and you've had this encounter with God. And so that's why even at Bridge Youth here, our goal is to get you to connect with God, number one over anything because when you have a genuine real encounter experience with God very personally then that changes you and you begin to live out your faith genuinely rather than just like I heard a pastor say or like I read a scripture no 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 God met me very personally in an experience and so to me the most powerful thing you have for the non-believers in your life is to live out your faith genuinely and in an honest way
0: and yeah, that's really good and also um don't be super Christian. You know what I'm talking about? Like, don't be the super Christian, oversaved person that's like, hey, you're living a life of sin, and you're going to burn in hell. Like, Don't be that person. Um, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's, it talks about how um, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Yeah. Um, love people. Love people that yeah. live differently than you. Love people that look and act and talk differently than you. One of the things I love about Bridge Youth is anyone who ever walks through these doors, they are so over. Like, there was, in two and a half years of being pastors, pastor here, literally two and a half years, there was one time, only once in two and a half years, that I got an email or I ever heard, I got an email from a person. It was the first time I ever heard that anybody didn't feel welcomed here. And ask Amber, ask Josie. In the office that day, I was flipping. I was like, how? How did, they, how did they not feel welcomed? Like, how? They, I just want to love everybody. Like, we want to... And that's the cool thing about this place is anyone can walk in dressed any way, talking any which way, left and right. We got people like, man, like, tonight was so in awesome. My bad. Like, whatever. Like, we just love you. We're here for you. Hey, be kind to people. Yeah. If you're going to reach somebody who is not a believer you will have to process it like this. You will need to first show them grace and then tell them the truth. So many Christians lead off with the truth, but the truth and grace are so important and grace always comes first. It's like this. Um, You know when you go to the dentist and you're going to get a root canal? What do they give you first? They give you drugs, but Novocaine is what the drugs are called. Um, And the Novocaine... It, it numbs you enough to where you can handle the root canal so they can get down to the root problem, the truth of the problem that you're having. Novocaine is grace. The truth is the root canal. So imagine going into the dentist, sitting down in the chair, and them giving you no Novocaine, and they just go into the root canal. Right? Like, but that is exactly how unbelievers feel when you try to give them the truth with no grace. Yeah. You're like, hey, you're sinning. And they're like, ugh. Like, Ugh. Like, the same reaction that you would have sitting in that chair getting a root canal with no Novocaine is yeah. the, action, the reaction they have. What do they do? They run. They're out of here. Like, I don't want to hear this from you. Who are you? And they dip, right? So that's why you have to show grace first. But at the same time, at some point in time, you got to tell them the truth. Yeah. Otherwise, like, imagine going into the dentist. You sit down in the chair. They give you the Novocaine, and they don't do anything. <laughs> like, that dentist is a drug dealer. Like, don't go back. They're just I'm giving bad. you drugs. Like, So, and we get this in a moment with Jesus where he comes up on a scene where a prostitute is about to be executed because that was the punishment for prostitution in that day. And actually, it's religious leaders that are about to kill her. They're going to kill her by throwing stones at her, throwing rocks at her until she dies. Then they pull Jesus in on it to say, hey, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, which is hilarious because, hey, uh, religious leaders, how did you catch her in the very act? So if she was in the middle of the night in some wrong side of the neighborhood in some random dude's house and you happened to see it, why were you on that side of the neighborhood? Why were you there in that point of the night? Often it's the people pointing the fingers that has something else going on in their life. Whenever someone starts pointing at everybody else, often for me that is a sign. Something's going on in your life that you're trying to hide. And the way you're trying to hide it is pointing out the flaws in everybody else's life. And we see this even in this story. They say, hey, Jesus, what do you think should be done to her? And, she, and, and Jesus looks at him. it's hilarious. like, we have no clue, this is such a mystery, but Jesus, he's like, <clears throat> and he starts drawing in the sand, in the dirt, mm-hmm. and they're like, looking like, what are you doing? And then Jesus gets up and he says, um, so anyone who's never sinned, go ahead, throw the first stone, and he gets back down and he starts writing out more stuff. We have no clue, maybe he was playing tic-tac-toe before tic-tac-toe was even invented, and they're like, what is that stuff? This is crazy, like, I don't know, like. Nobody knows, but whatever he wrote, it caused the religious leader to drop their rocks and walk away oldest to youngest. Interesting that they went oldest to youngest. What I think and many scholars think is Jesus was actually writing out the sins of the religious leaders. And the reason they left oldest to youngest because the older ones had a longer list of sins. And as he was writing them down, he was like, oh man, he's gonna get to mine. Like, I need to get out of here before he writes down that I did this last week. And so... After this, Jesus gets rid of all of them, goes over to the prostitute. And here's the thing. The prostitute was actually guilty. There's no doubt about that. So wait, Jesus defends prostitutes. Yeah, like, uh, just sit on that theological conundrum for a second. And then he goes up to her and says, hey, hey, get up off the floor. Um, where are your accusers? And she's like, they're gone. He's like, who's condemned you? And she goes, nobody. He says, okay, so well, then neither do I condemn you. Grace. He defended her. Do you defend people or do you point the finger too? When people go, oh, she's a skank. Yeah, she is. What mm. do you say? Hey, don't talk to her about that. She's a person. Do yeah. you defend people for That's grace. And then Jesus gives her the truth. He, he says, then neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. Yeah. You got to give grace and truth. Yeah. And then in that process, just outlast them. Because they'll go, some of them will go back to partying. Some of them will be years and, years and years and years and years and years and years. And you could give up on them. But don't. Just outlast them. Because one day they're going to come to you and be like, you have seemingly had the answer the whole time. So that's what I would say. Janelle, we got another question? Who we got back there?
2: Hello. Hi. Hello. My mic was off for a moment. Sorry. Um, we have Geneva back here with a sick tie-dye shirt. She is in the seventh grade. And here's her nice. question. Um, so I was wondering... So, yeah, so I want to know how to get connected with God because sometimes I feel super far away from him.
0: Sure. Great question. That's a
2: great question. Did you
0: happen to submit questions in the question box? No. OK, never mind. there was a question in the question box that was yeah. um, that was pretty similar. Um, and it said something along the lines of how do you get closer to God? I feel like I'm not growing. Um, should I do something different? and and that's a it's a really 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 great question um i'll give you a super brief response in what has just worked for me um number one i get around god and i get around his people Um, i find that one of the best ways to get close to god is to get around people who are also trying to get close to god if you're trying to like get really like this is super random super random guys but um I, me and Amber went to a conference in Seattle at a church um, where a guy named Judas Smith is the pastor. If you want to listen to some amazing podcasts, go listen to Gary Martin and then go listen to Judah Smith. Gary That's Martin's right. our lead pastor. Um, <laughs> Judas Smith is phenomenal. Judas Smith pastors Justin Bieber. We went to his church, um, to Judah's church for this conference, and ten rows in front of us was Justin Bieber worshiping the reckless love. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I was fan- fanboying just a little bit, Okay um like judah knows justin we ended up going to judah's church getting close to judah because we know his youth pastor kramer um and then what happened we ended up getting close to justin friggin' bieber if you want to get close to god get around people who are already close to god and you'll find yourself getting closer to god here's some practical things really quick number one pray pray as much as you can don't overthink prayer. Sometimes my prayers are, God, today has sucked. Help me. That's some, sometimes it's, it's, God, like, I need you today. Sometimes it's just, God, you're so good. I love you so much. You, you're my best friend. I don't know what I would do without you. Pray. Uh, number two, read your Bible. Number three, um, I would say, aside from community and stuff and getting around God's people, listen to some podcasts. Find some preachers that you really like. Um, And I think that those things will definitely help strengthen your faith and get you closer to God.
1: Yeah, those are some awesome things. Um, Psalm 92, 12 through 14, there's a little piece in there that talks about being planted in the house of the Lord. And it says they will flourish in the courts of our God. And if you wanna get closer to God, you plant yourself in the house of God. Here at Bridge Youth, you consistently come you know, you come to church on Sundays, and, you know, we've designed Sundays for connect groups so that you build community. So first you get yourself planted. You don't miss out on church, you know, and come once a month because, you know, flourishing doesn't come from coming once a month or coming here and there. Now, God can God meet you where you're at? Absolutely. So don't get me wrong. That's, an, you know. I'm not saying God can't meet you where you are, but there is something different about planting yourself in the house of God. And so it is a big deal when you're consistent with church and um when you're in your word. You know, I I get it. <laughs> when I first started diligently reading my word and being consistent about reading my word, it was a discipline, but it becomes a delight. You then find out, man, that scripture that I needed okay, like God used that, and it builds your faith, and when you, you know, it encourages you, so being planted in the house of God, being in your word, and praying um, are some of the, the key things that can, you know, help you feel closer to God, but our feelings deceive us. If you feel a certain way, like, oh, I feel far away from God, what does scripture say about that? It says he's right there, so that's not true, so you have to decipher, Whether it's your feelings lying to you as well, or, you know, line it up with God's word. So you have to know God's word. Um, And so I would encourage you even to get God's promises because, you know, if you're feeling a certain way, you go there. and. It shows, like, scriptures about peace or anxiety or whatever. And you go straight to scriptures that talk about the reality of what God says about <clears> that. <throat> and it doesn't have your feelings in, in the Bible because <laughs> they come and go. Yeah. And so I think that's important as well to um, feel more connected. But you're not going to always feel it. Right. So.
0: Preach it, girl. <laughs> come on now. Let's go. Hey, who's ever wondered Stupid. about tattoos? Ay, ay, ay. Someone submitted that's a so question. Silly. Who's ever heard Um, who's ever heard from somebody, regardless of who, uh, who's ever heard, hey, as Christians, Christians should not get tattoos. Okay, cool. Or you're going to hell. (laughs) No, they're right. You guys, they're right. (laughs) 100%. If you guys, if you get tattoos, you're going to hell. It's just, it is what it is. End of story. Next question. Next question. Um, hey, somebody submitted that question. Uh, the way they worded it was awesome. They said, um, what exactly is your opinion on tattoos? I've been told countless times that God doesn't approve of them, mainly because the Bible says that your body is a temple. Show is, I'm going to decorate my temple <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, and you shouldn't mark up the temple knowing many people at the bridge have tattoos. I'm assuming they're all good, but what's your reasoning? Um, There's one spot, really, there's only one spot in the whole Bible where we get the idea that you shouldn't get tattoos. It's in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. Here's what it says. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Now, here's what people do. They take Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. They pull that and say, yeah, I don't like tattoos, so right there, like without context. You could take, I mean, look at the news. Like, people do it all the time. They just take things out of context. And, I mean, no context equals complete confusion. Here's what's going on here. God is actually giving his people, the Israelites, uh, he's giving them a set of rules and boundaries around some things. And what's really, I mean, look in the verse before, uh, verse 27. Do not cut the, uh, the hair at the sides of your head or clip the edges of your beard. Tyler, I agree with this one. Wherever you're at, Bailey, don't, don't trim your beard, brother. It's beautiful. But, um, yeah, so just ask, next time someone says, oh, yeah, uh, Christians shouldn't get tattoos, ask them, you ever cut your hair? Like, earlier it says, don't wear any clothing with more than one type of material. Oh, those look like Levi's. Several types of material on those pants. Like, super passive-aggressive. Um, here's what you need to know. In the Bible, there's things that are... Pers- Prescripted and descripted. There's prescription and description. Think of it like this. When you need a medication, it's prescribed to you specifically. And there's stuff like that in the Bible that is prescribed to you specifically, to us as God's people. Typically, it's really easy to figure this stuff out. Go read the Ten Commandments. Don't murder anybody. Yes, that is for everybody. (laughs) Like, don't, you know, don't steal. Yes, that's everybody. All the, yes, 100%. And then we get to some stuff that's descriptive, such as, David and Goliath, David cutting off the head of Goliath, this giant. Okay, that's descriptive. It's it's describing a moment in the Bible. It's not saying, hey, everybody um, cut heads off of giants. Like, "Uh, does that include Shaquille O'Neal? I don't know. Like, no, it's describing a moment. And in the same way, what's happening in Leviticus 19 is it's describing something that God told a specific group group of people at a specific time for a specific reason. What you need to do, you've got to figure out the principle behind the rule. Let's say that again. You need to find the principle behind the rule. Here, what was happening was people were worshiping other gods by cutting themselves and by tattooing their bodies. So what's the principle? Don't worship other gods. In fact, don't put anyone or anything before God. The tattoos was just how they were doing that. It could have been anything. It could have been like, don't cut your bodies or hula hoop. Like, it's because they were using that as worship to other gods. And God, in the Ten Commandments, says, you shall have no other gods before me. That was the purpose behind it. Now, with that said, those of you who are thinking about getting tattoos, um, I would ask you, uh, what and why? What are you getting and why? And if you're like, what am I getting? Uh, I'm going get, to get a naked lady on my bicep. Okay, well, that's idolatry, and that's lust, and therefore that tattoo is sin. Can a tattoo be sin? Yes, absolutely. So I would ask you what and then why? Why are you getting tattoos? Are you getting tattoos because you think it's going to make you cooler and you want to be approved in the eyes of all people? Well, then that's the thing that you got to check your heart on there. Or are you getting a tattoo in the same way that you would, like, get clothes? Like, I just think they look cool, and I enjoy it. Okay. Well, then I would also say then in that equation, add wisdom. Get tattoos that you can cover up. I actually will deter people from getting tattoos before I'll encourage them to get tattoos. And get things that you can cover up. Because you don't, I I mean, and at this point, you're under 18. So, like, I mean, the law, the law is that you can. The Bible says obey the law of the land. So, if you were to get tattoos right now, yeah, that actually is a sin because you're Breaking the law. But if when you're of age and you want to decide to get a tattoo, is it sin? Like most of my tattoos are symbols of my faith. And actually they've been incredible. Like last night I was at the gym playing basketball. This guy said, hey, what does that tattoo with the Grim Reaper on the back of your arm mean? I said, oh, it says, where's your sting? Because the Bible says, oh, death, where's your sting? And I believe that when I die, I'm going to get to go to heaven. So not even death can touch me. And he's like, whoa, dude, that's so cool. So like what do you do for a living? Like, I'm a pastor. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm like, so I would ask what, when, how, all of that. Don't go to nobody's garage. Be smart. Anything about tattoos, tattoo lady?
1: Yeah. Because you have
0: so many tattoos, you heathen.
1: So I love that we can bring, (coughs) you're silly. I love that we can bring different perspectives to the questions that you guys have, Um, you know, because Cor and I talk about. A lot about these questions just personally we'll we'll just like walk through different things and talk it through and with friends and stuff Um, here's the deal junior high and high school you can't get tattoos number one (laughs) illegally so sorry it's a no it's sinful because it's illegal (laughs) so that's a simple answer for you number one and aside from it being illegal for junior high and high school students to get a tattoo did you know that Uh, well, when you're living under your parents' roof, Mm -hmm. it depends on what they say. If you're 19 and you're living under your parents' roof and they say no tattoos, it is sinful to go get a tattoo because that is dishonoring and you're under their roof and that, that's not okay. And so there's a difference when, you know, you're living under your parents' roof at 18 and you're like, I want to go get a tattoo and all of that. Um... It can be sinful to, you know, dishonor your father and mother in that way and disobey the things that they've placed in their household. And so God talks about honoring your father and mother in um, Ephesians 6, verse, uh, uh, I think, sorry, I'm trying to find the verses. It's uh, 6-1, and it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do, honor your father and mother. Listen to this. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. This, this thing has a promise attached to it. Yeah. And so, obviously, it's important. So, you know, honoring your parents... And what they say when you're under their roof—it doesn't matter if you're 18 or not. <laughs> you need to honor your parents in that. So, but it's a simple answer for junior high and high schools. It's sinful because you're you're not you of age. So,
0: you gotta that's that. wait. And then anybody uh, who feels called to um, preaching whatsoever—I'm a preacher. I feel called to preach. I feel called to preach throughout the world, and I have preached throughout the world. But I'll tell you this. That when I preach in other parts of the world who are decades behind us as far as culture is concerned, uh, when we went to Africa, um, I had to wear a full suit and I had to cover all of my tattoos. If I had hand tattoos and neck tattoos and face tattoos, I wouldn't have been able to preach there. So do you really wanna limit yourself because hand tattoos look dope? Like, well, what's more important? What's more important to you? So consider that as well, be smart, be wise about it know we got more questions?
2: Yes. Cool. We have the one and only Jonathan Baker. He's Baker! In, he's in the 13th grade. <laughs> Here's his question. He graduated last year. He's not a super senior. Uh, all right.
0: Um, I was going to ask, uh, what do you do when you're trying to share the truth uh, about what God says about sin with someone? Uh-huh. And when they're about to fall into sin and then other fellow believers come against you for sharing? You know? Wow. Wow. Say, say that again. All right, all right. We need it again. Uh, what do you do when you're trying to share the truth God says about sin with someone who is about to fall into sin mm-hmm. and other believe, fellow believers come against you for sharing it? Know this, that you will absolutely, absolutely and this will lead into another question that I want to answer um, about gossip. Um, if you share the truth, people will reject the truth and therefore reject you. Sometimes even people who are believers. Okay, so know this, that if you want to be someone who shares the truth, you know, you know who in this youth group, you know who gets gossiped about the most? Me and Amber. 100%. Can I tell you guys, almost every single day, word gets back, about, uh, word gets back to me about somebody in town, somebody somewhere saying something about us. And the bigger your platform, the more scrutiny you're going to get. So, number one, if those of you who just raised your hand, I want to be a leader one day, know what you're signing up for. You will get subtweeted. You'll just get tweeted sometimes. Like, you will have people talking behind your back. You got to take it with a grain of salt. And you got to have the confidence to say, I know what the word of God says. I know I'm going about this in a way that God would call me to do it. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being arrogant. This has nothing to do with me. It's because I love you. The Bible says, share the truth in love. When your foundation is love... The reason you're sharing the truth is because you love this person. Well, then you're going to carry that out well. And other people might want to come along because they're that person's friend and they're believers. But man, like this is why you don't need people who are going to like talk your ear off and tell you how amazing you are. Like Like, you're so awesome, you this and that. Like, no, yeah, I know that, like, you've been, like, I know that, like, you've been gossiping, you've been doing this, you've been, Or I know that you've been going to those parties, but you've been, you've been having a rough time, you're in a rough patch, it's okay. You don't need people like that. The world's filled with people like that. What you need is some people who will say, no, you're slipping up, and I love you enough to tell you, you know, so I think that, I think you just stand firm. And you love those people, too. You love them, too. The yeah. Bible talks about uh, all possible live peaceably with yeah. everybody, with everybody. So do your best to just orchestrate that in a way where you're just bringing peace, you're bringing love. Yeah. Don't, don't, look, don't take it personal. Ultimately, they don't have a problem with you; they got a problem with God. Yes. If you're just bringing God's word to them, then they don't. The problem isn't we. When people get mad at me because I say something, they're like, I can't believe that you would say that. So it's, well, don't be mad at me. Just be mad at the Bible. Like, therefore, at God. Because, like, I just told you what the Word of God says. So definitely bring the Word of God to them, yeah. um, not your opinion. From there, just, I mean, gracefully and lovingly stand your ground. Stay firm. Don't let it shake you.
1: And pray for them. <clears throat> yeah. Because, yes, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And um, so you you should never take it personally. Don't be easily offended. Um you know, don't take when someone says no to you, and I don't want to listen to you, it, it's they don't want to listen to God, and um, when you're kind of, when you're trying to share with a genuine heart, like, because you love them, and you care for them, and you see kind of the path that they're going down. In Proverbs 13:20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. <laughs> um, that's so true. I love Proverbs because it's so practical, and there was a Um, something that Pastor Zach said one time when he was speaking on a Sunday, and he said this. He said, a wise man or woman wants to hear what he doesn't want to hear. Not everybody is wise. So it's okay if they're not being wise in that moment. Pray for them that God would give them wisdom, that God would give them the desire to be wise and all of that because we forget how powerful prayer is. Prayer can change the situation like that. And yes, it does take... A part of them being open to it, but when we pray for people, it's crazy how God just shows up in the most miraculous ways and in ways that we never could show up. Uh, and so, I would encourage you to pray for that person if they reject it. Pray for them. And if you're and if you're like, ah, oh, whatever about pray prayer, then you need to like get into scripture about how powerful prayer is and test God in it. Like say, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe you, and and I promise you, you will see Him move when you begin to pray.
0: A great question, Baker. Uh, I was going to lead into a question I really wanted to hit. Um, it was this. Um, how have you seen the enemy attack the church and ministry the most? How have we seen the enemy attack the church and ministry the most? My quick answer, gossip. Gossip. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was quoted by saying, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we lose our freedoms, it will be because we have destroyed ourselves from within. And it's the same way with the church. Can I tell you, like, the majority of the issues that we see and that we deal with, um, it's not people from the outside, really. It comes from the inside. And I love that we just don't have a culture of gossip and there's not a ton of people. But even in every community, in every church, in every place, there are people who struggle with it. Get this. This This is crazy, this verse. Write this verse down. Proverbs 6, Proverbs 6, verse 16 to 19. Listen how this thing starts. There are six things the Lord hates. Like, you're like, wait, I thought God didn't hate anyone or anything. God doesn't hate anyone, but God hates some things. Here's what they are. It says seven are detestable to him. So it adds a seventh thing in there. It says uh, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, somebody who lies. What is gossip if not gossip? just lies stretched truth but let me go on to say that gossip I don't think is only lies I think often gossip is information that is not yours to share it goes on it says uh, hands that shed innocent blood well wait gossip and murder was just found back to back in a bible first about things God hates it goes on, it says, uh, a heart that devises wicked schemes. What is gossip and spreading rumors if not someone's scheming? Yeah. Trying, to, trying to manipulate situations, trying to act like I got information, therefore I'm important. Yeah. You're not important if you got information, okay? Those of, you who, those of you who walk around thinking like, I got this gossip, this juicy news, like I am important. No, nah, like we all have Google, like we all have information, you're not special. Like, cut it out. Gossip doesn't mean that you have the upper hand on anyone. or the fact that you know something that somebody doesn't, it's just wicked schemes. Feet that rush into evil. Now listen to this. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in what? In the community. Mm -hmm. That's gossip right there. That stuff is God. I mean, you find hints of gossip multiple times in a scripture that talks about those six things that God hates. Get this, this is how much God hates gossip. He included it in the Ten Commandments. The second to last, the Ninth Commandment is, you shall not bear false witness. Meaning, you're not to walk around and say something about people that ain't true. Mm -hmm. It's the Ninth Commandment, that's how important it was to God. Can I tell you, you you know, as the pastors of this community, um, you know what causes us the most, uh, the greatest challenge? Gossip. Often gossip happens when somebody says something about someone else in the community, and then Bridge Youth or the Bridge's name is dragged into it. And when that happens, I will just say like, number one, if you're going to talk about someone in our community, we're going to have an issue with that. Number two, if you're going to talk about our community, we, we're going to have an issue with that, I think. That, like, if that's something you struggle with, hey, look, nobody's perfect, but get that in check. Because I'll tell you this, it's the biggest way that I've seen the enemy attack the church. That and technical difficulties when, like, the projectors Amen. don't want to work and the music does. Anything you want to add, babe?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, it really is the biggest thing that becomes a distraction in average youth, really. And in any youth group, I think, and any church in general. Um, mm. And in James, I love the book of James because it's in your face and I I like it because it's practical and it's in your face and it kind of like, I feel like I keep getting punched by James because I'm like, oh, 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 I'm terrible at that, you know, whatever. But it helps us grow when we realize the things we struggle with, you know, and so I love James for that. And James one twenty six says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. It hurts. And trust me, here's the deal. I remember struggling with this, especially as a young girl in high school, junior high. I struggled with this. It was nice to be like, did you hear? Did you see? Like, I can't believe she did that. You know, I was a part of some of those conversations, and I had to learn real quick that that's not the kind of young lady that I wanted to be and not the woman I wanted to grow into. So it's okay if you struggle with it and it's not perfect. Nobody is, but work on it, figure it out, because that's not the type of people we are, we are here at Bridge Youth. That's not the kind of person we are. We're not going to be known for gossip. We're not, not going to be known for tearing people down. And I want to encourage you with this. So what's the opposite? What, how should we be talking? In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's the kind of people we are here at Bridge Youth. Uh,
0: A really quick practical step for those of you who just heard this and said, okay, all right, I want to get away from gossiping. How? Here's how. Um, When people try to bring gossip to you, um, if someone said, if anyone would ever try to say anything about one of my best friends, David, um, they come to me, hey, did you know that David blah, 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 blah? First of all, I'd, be, I'd just assume that they were wrong because I know and love David. Um, but two, I'm like, wow, oh, really? Okay, I'll tell David. Problem clear. solved. You know, people, if, 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 if people ever come to me, man, like, I don't know. I think, I think Pastor was off in that part of the message. He shouldn't have said this and this. Like, wow, I'll make sure to go tell Pastor right now. And you know what happens? People that just wanna complain to you and gossip to you, they'll stop. Yeah. Cause they're like, oh my gosh, like they're just gonna go tell them. And that honest, God honest, that's what I do. If someone wants to tell something to me about, why? Because if you got an issue with someone, take it to the source, yes. cut out the middleman. What do you want? If you want resolution, you'll just take it to them. If you wanna stir up conflict, then you're gonna gossip to other people. Yeah. Hey, I wanna do a couple more questions. So we're gonna try to speed round a couple of these. Okay. Um, I think I see Jake back there. Hey, great job on that spoken word piece. Man. That was so good. Yeah. Jake, what's your question, man? Wait, what, oh, I lost it. Uh, my question is, how do you get through a season of like, busyness where you just feel like you can't find a moment to breathe? Hey, that's really good. Um, yeah, the world is speeding up. We're only, we're only getting faster. School days are getting longer for you guys. Uh, honestly, it's ridiculous, I think. Um, if you're in a club or sports, it makes life even worse. And I'll tell you this, once you turn 18 and you head to college and you head to the, the military, you head to the workforce, life will only speed up. Um, let me say this. We kind of try to stay away from using the word busy. Yeah. Um, here's why. We all have 24 hours in the day. Yes. If, if, when I meet people who are always like, I've been like, hey, how you been? Oh, so busy. Oh, uh, just super, super busy. To me, it's one of two things. Either number one, you really like trying to sound important. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just so busy. It's got so much going on. Number one, you are wanting to sound important. Or number two, you just are probably not that good at managing your time. And so I think one of the things that you can do is something that we've kind of committed to in our life, which is taking a Sabbath. You guys know in the beginning, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Y'all really think God needed to rest? No. No. What was he doing? He was setting an example for us that we all need rest. And so one of the things that you could do is you could start marking off a day. And maybe right now your schedule doesn't allow for that. Cool. Find four hours in a day where you're going to disconnect from everything. Get off of social media. Get off of everything, literally, like, yes, right now, your youth pastor is encouraging you to just go veg. Like, lay back in your bed, turn on Netflix, shut your mind off, don't talk to nobody, don't nothing. Get, re- you know what our Sabbath looks like? Often, like, often our Saturday, this is why so many of you, hey, wanna hang out Saturday? Nope. Why? Because I'm going on a date with my wife. Like, don't wanna hang out with you on Saturday. Not interested. Not interested. More interested in hanging out. Why? Because when I spend time with my wife, I'm rest I'm resting. I'm getting peace. You need to you need to find time where you separate. So manage your time well. Find moments in your week where you can disconnect because um really you'll be surprised if you have that consistently in your week, how refreshed you'll be. And maybe you start out with just a couple of hours, but yeah.
1: Yes, that's great. Good stuff. Cool. Yeah.
0: Hey, I wanted to answer um I wanted to answer this question. Where did it go? (coughs) Corey, how are you with an amazing woman named Amber if you're such a dork?
2: Don't put your own questions in there.
0: Whoever submitted that question, we will fight. (laughs) Um, And you'll probably beat me up because I'm a dork. (laughs) let me find some of my notes. Uh, number one, as far as that is concerned, because uh, God works miracles. Um, hey, but really, let me just say, uh, how, did, how did I end up with such an amazing uh, woman like Amber? Just for starters, I wasn't a scumbag to her. I know that's I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. like, but I wasn't a scumbag to her. When I met her, guess what, guess what I stared at? Her eyes. I looked in her eyes. I didn't look below her. I wasn't s- constantly staring below her neck, right? Some of the things, you know, some other stuff. Uh, I was a gentleman. I treated her like a person. Um, I, chose to, uh, I chose to do things right, to date her well. I, I chose to ask her parents if it was okay with them if I asked her out. So how did I end up he with- He wrote
1: my mom a letter.
0: I did. Her mom still has that letter. Maybe I'll try to get it for you guys and read it. It's ridiculously stupid, but it's cool. Um, Maybe. You Maybe. know, if, if not, probably the greatest thing, I'll tell you this. The greatest thing is this. I have always valued Amber's relationship with Jesus more than her relationship with me. And if you don't do that, you're probably going to end up um, in a rough spot in a rough place. But guys, like, yeah, it, Those of you nerds who watch way too much Star Wars, watch every single Marvel movie opening night and still read comic books, play Magic the Gathering in Dungeons and Dragons, there is hope, okay? You just have to not be a scumbag. Bouncing off of that, how um, a question that was asked as well, a different question, was uh, when and how did you know you loved Amber? When and how did you know? that you love, Amber. Um, I know a lot of people dating, you're like, I think I love them, I don't know. Like, oh, uh, any honest people say you've been there at some point in time in your life? Cool, and look, hey, can I just say really quick, I know that I joke about this a lot, um, I do. i would be like, you're, you're in junior high, you don't know nothing. Like, I'm, like, I know I joke about that a lot, but in all honesty, um, let me just say that uh, I don't think it was a single moment, it was more like a series of moments. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Uh, when you're with someone, you're going to fall in love in stages. Initially, you'll fall in love mentally. What is that? It's getting to know someone. What's your favorite color? Oh, what's your favorite memory? Does your family have any traditions? Like, oh, what's, your, what's your favorite band? What music do you, what's your favorite movie? And you fall in love mentally, After you fall in love mentally, you'll begin to fall in love emotionally, and that's all the feels. That's the butterflies, the, you know, when you held my hand, I felt like I was going to explode, like, oh, my gosh, like, I felt like I got punched in the stomach, and I was like, you're the best ever. Like, all of that, you'll, you'll have emotional moments together. But know this, that sometime along that journey, you will end up, while falling in love mentally and emotionally, then want to express your love physically. And this is one of the reasons why I'll tell you, if you're in junior high, probably not the best time to start dating. Even early high school. We started dating when we were seniors in high school. Um, I would say if you can't get married in five years, just don't date because you're setting yourself up for failure. Because naturally, like the way actually God built you was to fall in love and to ultimately express that love physically. And if you're like, oh, we're going to date for 15 years and we're going to wait till marriage, well, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You know what I'm saying? Like, so uh, when did I know that I was in love with amber um it was a series of moments and i'll end that spot with this um love is a choice because while for the past 12 years uh 13 years that we've been together in the nine years of marriage um while there's been more times than not that i felt so much love and passion for this relationship greater than any relationship i've been in subtract jesus um There have been moments that were rough, that were till we both come from broken families, like we've had a tough go at marriage in some ways, but we just continually choose to love each other. First Corinthians chapter 13, the verse that's read at every single wedding ever, like it lists a bunch of stuff that are, that starts out, love is patient. Patience isn't an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. You choose to be patient. Love is kind. Kindness isn't a feeling. It's a choice. It goes on and on and on. So Know that as well. Love is, love is a choice. Anything you want to add? Yes. When um, did you know that you loved me?
1: <laughs> when I saw how much you loved God.
0: It wasn't the hair?
1: The hair was a part of it too, but it was like more, more secondary. More. But it was more like. But
0: like a close second.
1: Mm, sure. <laughs> Your hair is awesome. Right. No, but My serious, hair was even like, more
0: awesome then. <laughs> Not true. It was so bad. I loved it. It you guys do you guys know what He was
1: a scene kid. Total you guys know scene what emo kid, what emo was? Yeah.
0: I was yes. the poster child. We were like
1: little <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I what is so important about you know dating and relationships and all of that before you even get to a you start allowing yourself to fall in love, you start to kind of let your guard down a bit. That's how you fall in love. You let your guard down. You get to know people in these stages. Yeah. Um, before you even go there, allow God's love to be perfected in you personally. Yeah. Because if you don't allow God to really show you how much he like, truly loves you, and that'll be a life journey, but like, if you're not in a confident place where I know God loves me, and sometimes I forget it, but like, because we're human... And we're not perfect but until you're in a confident place of knowing that god truly loves you no matter what and he chooses you even though we can be you know he chooses me even though sometimes i can be a knucklehead um until you get to that place don't even start dating because you need to allow god's love to be perfected in you perfected in you before you allow someone to love you or before you even love somebody else you need God's love to be perfected in you, and that's the, that should be the foundation of allowing somebody else to come into your life to be that person. So
0: Yeah, one of the questions that we got was uh, when do you know when you're ready to date? And I'll just tell you this. Don't look for the right person. Become the right person. Amen. Ask yourself this. Would you date you?
1: Good question.
0: With all your issues, with all your junk and everything going on with you, would you date you? Well, if the answer is no, well, then stop, stop searching For someone to solve your issues, go to God, deal with your stuff, and then on your race towards God, once in a while, just do this. Just look left and right and see who else is racing towards God. And probably you'll look over your shoulder and be like, Hmm. well, dang, she's cute. (laughs) (laughs) And then keep running. And then look over again. She is still pursuing God. Like, then maybe's a maybe. Hey, really quick. If you're single, throw your hand in the air. Okay, throw it back down. Did you take a good look? That was your one chance! <laughs> hey, really quick, qu- question in the back there. Who we
2: got? We got Nathan, and he's in Nathan? 12th grade. What's your question, Nathan? What kind of heaven song that you sing back then when you were a kid with God? Say, say it again. What kind of heaven song did you sing back then when you were a kid with God?
0: Well, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't really sing kids' church songs, I and don't. truthfully, it's something I'm so jealous of. I people, know. people in church. Father
1: Abraham, I'm I like, don't know that, but <laughs> I know so some people there's do. There's been
0: a couple times where people were like, "All right, guys, we all know this one. Let's sing it together." And me and Amber, who didn't grow up in church, are like, "Yeah." You know when you start moving your lips, <laughs> trying to act like you, you know them. No, so I just yeah, we my didn't head. really know. We didn't we didn't get no church, no church music going. Hey, I wanted to ask this, I to answer this question really. Hey, great great question, man. I wanted to ask this, answer this question really quick. Should Christians smoke or vape? All right, y'all are saying no, but some of y'all vape. All right, all right, I know we just got all controversial, okay? Um, let me just, let me start by saying this. The Bible does not straight up talk about smoking as far as cigarettes, vaping, something that doesn't alter your um, alter your state of mind, it doesn't flat out say, this is sin. Now, there are, there is stuff in the Bible that, in my opinion, for sure, 100%, like, heads in that direction. Here's a couple things for you guys. Write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. This is, uh, this is Paul talking. He says, I have the right to do anything. What? Like, you got free will. Yeah, you can do whatever the heck you want. God is not going to stop you. You say, But everything, um, but not everything is beneficial. Another version says, everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. Now listen to this. But I will not be mastered by anything. Meaning what? I ain't going to be physically addicted to nothing. That's biblical. Don't be physically addicted to anything. God has created you to be physically addicted to a couple of things. Basically, oxygen, water, and food. So the moment you start moving to other stuff and you become literally physically addicted, to, in my opinion, you're starting to move outside of, outside of the will of God. This is why even once in a while, I am a coffee fanatic. Where's all the coffee fanatics at? Yes. Cool. Now, here's the thing. While smoking and all of that stuff is extremely bad for your health, and I know some of you are like, yeah, but vaping is not. No, vaping is actually horrible for your health, and in fact often vaping is way worse than smoking because you don't have a filter standing between what you're smoking and it going into your lungs. So, I mean, this is not what the vape companies want to tell you. Of course not. Why? Because they're trying to make money off of you. So, um, in the same way, like with coffee, I'll even take breaks from coffee because I'm not going to be physically tied to this. I'll go on and say 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. I should have a tattoo of that on my calf um, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So mm-hmm. what it's saying is, the first, you know, the first people, apparently, according to 1 Peter chapter 5 eight, that the enemy is looking for to, to go and to devour, it's people who are not in their right state of mind, yeah. people who are high, and people who are drunk, and people who are beside themselves. This is why when people say, well, what about weed? like can, can Christians smoke weed? Heck no, because it alters your state of mind, and you then become Satan's number one target. Yeah, but God created marijuana, so it can't be harmful, right? God also created great white sharks, okay? It's the worst logic ever. Like, God created poison ivy. You're not going to go roll around in it. So, in my opinion, no. Like, Christians should not, um, should not smoke. They shouldn't vape. If you are, if you are an adult who's like, man, I, like, I want to vape this or that, whatever, like, hey, you're an adult, and you can make your own decisions, and you'll have to end up living by conviction, but if, I mean, if you're a minor, that's a whole different level. Let me just add, like, yeah, we do have security cameras around here, and we do bathroom checks, and we have called police on people, and we have called parents on people, and we will get down to it, and we will find out, and we will catch you, and it will be bad news for you. So if you're going to vape, don't do it here. I'm just telling you that much right now. Um, <laughs> Which one? Oh, uh, first, first Peter 5, verse 8. First Peter 5, verse 8. First Corinthians 6, 12. You're like, but you guys vape right there. No, that's haze. It's <laughs> a different story back there. Those are, um, man, I would also say, uh, why, why? What's your why behind it? Yeah. You're like, I want to vape. Why? For most people, you know why. Same reason why I started smoking when I first started smoking. You just want to look cool. And what is at the core of wanting to look cool? You want the approval of people. Don't live for the approval of people. Yeah. Why? Because you'll go to crazy extents then. You will literally destroy your body for the approval of people. Live for the approval of God. It will shift your entire life. Anything you want to add, Ben?
1: No. You said it all. Are you sure? Yep.
0: I had to talk you out of vaping. like so.
1: Stop. <laughs> That's a lie. It's a total <laughs> these, lie. These are the jokes, people. Uh,
0: these are the jokes, people. Um, who, Matt, we're well, going yeah. to try to tackle it. Matt, how many how many do we have guitar. waiting back there?
2: 4 4 including could? Matt.
0: Okay. Including Matt. Mm-hmm. All right, can we tackle these 60 seconds or under? That's a question sure. for me, not you. That's
2: for you.
1: I know. <laughs>
0: oh, me? No. Be condescending, not <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, you. Oh, I was like, yeah, me. I don't
2: know. Be
0: facetious. You are the me.
2: pastor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. My Matt, what's question, your
0: question? My question is, uh, what's the best way to find your calling or anything? Just because, like, I struggle with that a lot and stuff. How, how can you find your calling? That's great. Um, pray for confirmation. Put yourself in constant situations where you're in atmospheres of faith. Often I've found that that's where God will speak to people um, regarding their calling. And then know this, that not everybody will get this miraculous moment where God comes down and just... Tell someone to tell you this is what you're going to do with your life or God shows you or whatever. So often what ends up happening is God gives you skills and ability. um, You're really good at something. And then there's something that, like, breaks your heart and you're like, man, I can't stand that this is going on in the world. I would change it if I could. And then next to those two things, you have what's called free will. So... Sometimes God does say, hey, I'm going to allow you to choose. Why would God create free will if he was going to dictate every single part of our life? You know, God gives us free will in some areas. Mm -hmm. Like God gives you, God gave, gave me free will on who to marry. Soulmates isn't biblical. Sorry, ladies, like just broke your heart, but it's just. God did not create one person for you to find. Also, sometimes God will let you choose what you're going to do with your life. Not always. And I think just your heart of, I want to pursue what God has for me, will set you up for success.
1: Yeah. I think our greatest calling is to to grow in relationship with Christ. So I think sometimes we get it all confused and we try to figure out, like, the one thing. Like... God doesn't ask us to worry, and I get it, it's a real thing, and trust me, I struggle with worrying a lot, like, that's, that is my main issue. I am C-3PO, like, actually. Always Uh, (laughs) worries. I always worry. Um, But I've worked on that, but I think our greatest calling is growing in relationship with Christ and everything else follows. And I know that's a simple answer, but really, when I see people pursuing God personally in a strong way and in a serious, genuine way, they end up falling into the positions and places that God has called them to, and... So, grow in relationship with Christ. That is the greatest calling. Get to know him more.
0: Really, great, great question, Matt. Next. He oh goes
2: by Nelson.
1: What's up, nice. Nelson? Hey, <coughs> what is the stance on homosexuality in the world?
0: That's a great question. Wait, wait. So, you frame that question in an interesting way. Are you asking, are you asking us what, what, what is our opinion regarding homosexuality? Yes. Uh, that's a great question. Okay, I'm going to just take you straight to scripture. 1 uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 6 has a list of things um, that are labeled as sin. Um, there's a lot of things on here. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse. 9, it says, uh, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery, uh, those who practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards uh, or people who are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were like that once, but you were cleansed. You were made holy, so on and so forth. Okay, so we have a big list here of things that are considered sin. Now, you know one of the things on the list? Thieves, someone who steals stuff. Anyone ever steal something? Be honest. Raise your hand. Cool. So we're all already on this list, okay? Let me begin by saying the church in general, not necessarily our church, but the church and many Christians have missed it when it comes to this topic specifically because what they've done is they've taken something that's on a list and they've put it at the top. You notice it's not first on the list. It's not even last on the list. It's not even really highlighted on the list. It's just on the list. Do we believe that homosexuality is a sin? Well, it doesn't matter what I believe. What matters is what does the word of God say. Now, with that said, let me say, I believe wholeheartedly 100% that every single person on planet Earth, God-given right, is to be treated with love and decency and respect. So anytime someone treats someone beyond that for any reason, whether it's, whether it's sexuality or race or you just don't like someone, then that is an issue and actually it's degrading to God and it's detestable to God. And so I'll say that, like, I think everybody deserves grace. And, and then I'll say this, I have, I have some friends who identify as gay and I love them. They're dear friends of mine. Amber and my uncle is gay. We love him. One of the most caring, loving, giving people ever. And, um, I, don't, I will not resign to the fact that if you believe what the Word of God says about this, that you are a, a hateful, judgmental bigot. Are you kidding me? Like, Uncle Jerry will be coming to our house for Thanksgiving. And he's, I mean, he's, I love him so much. People want to think that just because I don't agree with this one part of your life, that, wait, wait, there's a lot, like, most of the people in my life, I don't agree with something in their life. He, I, have a, uh, my, I have a brother who just drinks too much. But does that mean because he drinks too much that I hate him? Of course not. I love him, all of that. So what we do believe is, yes, it is sin, but just like anything else, like, God can deliver and God loves you and cares about you. And anyone who tells you otherwise is lying to you. God does not hate anyone. He loves everybody and has a plan for every single person and their life. Let me just say this Uh, anyone who maybe has ever struggled with that, first and foremost, hey, I love you. Like, let's talk, let's hang out. We don't have to agree on that. You can be sitting there disagreeing with me right now. You're like, no, I don't agree with that. Hey, that's fine that is totally fine. This does not mean you are not a part of this community or anything like that. You can totally disagree on this. That is fine. That's between you and God. Um, and uh, you've probably noticed that this is really the first time that we've talked about this in the community. Um, hey, if you are someone who has struggled with this, let me encourage you with this. Don't, don't allow your sexuality to be your identity. Don't wrap your identity around something as small as sexuality Can I tell you, like, imagine, imagine this. Imagine if I told Amber, hey, you know what our relationship is all about? Sex. Wait, what? Isn't there so much more to marriage and life? Yeah, absolutely, there is. And our relationship is not defined by one part of our life, right? And so my identity isn't that. Imagine that I would never walk up to you, shake your hand, and say, hey, my name's Corey. I'm a heterosexual. Why? Because that's not a very big part of my identity. My identity is found in Christ, allow Christ to identify you, and then if that's something that you identify as, and you're saying like, hey, like I don't agree with you, again, that's fine, love you, vacuum, here here for you, I will, if anyone ever gives you a hard time about your sexuality, come find me, come talk to me, come talk to Amber, and I promise you this, we will be the first ones to stand next to you, and say, hey, we are not going to stand for this, We are not cool with this, we're not okay with this. Every single person on planet earth deserves decency and respect and love. And anyone who doesn't give people that is just not from God. So hopefully anybody in the room who maybe you or someone you know or love um, identifies in that way, um, hopefully you hear our heart and the sensitivity and the grace and the love that we have um, for that. So, yeah. We good? Love you guys. Love you guys so much. I th- is this the last one? I don't want to end there, but is this the last one?
2: We have two, technically. Okay,
0: we'll, we'll end here, depending on the question. Okay. Is this, this Will Smith? Is,
2: it sure is. What's up, Will Smith? Why do you think that the world accepts things that shouldn't be accepted?
0: Um, because we live in a world where people are obsessed with convenience. People will sit in the drive-through for 20 minutes because they don't want to get out of their car when if they went inside, it would take five minutes. And so we live in a world that is obsessed with convenience. So I think that that's one reason. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We have one more question. Beware of convenience. What's up, Quincy? End out our night with a good one. If it's not good, come up with a good one right now. It's going to be good. How do you know if God's talk, or trying to talk to you? That's a great question. How do you know, this is a good place to, uh, to, to end out. Carlos, could you, could, where, if you're still here, Carlos, could you play keys for us? Make this one sound really, uh, there you are. Carlos. Yeah, give it up for Carlos. <laughs> Playing bass and keys. How do you know if God's talking to you? That's a great question. I'll narrow it down to this. Um, God often talks to me in three ways. Number one, through his word. Um, people who say, well, God's not talking to me. Well, no, you're probably just not reading your Bible. Well, he, uh, how, do you, how do I hear God's words? Well, he wrote thousands of them in a book to you. So go read his word through God's people. Often God will talk to me through mentors, pastors, um, Christian friends, stuff like that. And then the last thing is God talks to me through what's called the Holy Spirit, which is how God interacts with us. And the way God speaks to me personally um, through his Holy Spirit is through peace. He'll give me an overwhelming sense of peace about something. And the best way I could describe it is if I'm, like, going in a direction, I'm like, God, is this direction you, the way you want me to go? If I don't have peace, it feels like a tension almost. Like, you guys know when you just kind of, I'm the least anxious person on the planet, but you know when you feel, like, that anxiety about, man, something's just not right here? Well, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And then when you turn in the right direction, you're like, man, like, I feel, I feel peace, that's, the holy, that's how God's talking, Talk to me most often, uh, through his word, through his people, and through his Holy Spirit.
1: Yep. That's it. Simply put, that's it. Cool.
0: Hey, if tonight there was anything that was said that you have uh, bigger questions about, you want to talk about, obviously we talked about a couple of controversial things, and I think that your guys' generation who really doesn't deal with fake Like, you guys don't do well with fake. And I love that about your generation. If you want anything, you want genuine. And I think that that's so powerful. If there's anything that was said tonight that you want to go deeper into a conversation, um, come talk to me and Amber. Um, Know this when it comes to stuff like this and just about any conversation. um, I will will not have one-on-one conversations with a female. I will pull my wife into it, mainly because, ladies, I just don't understand you. I don't get you. I don't understand. You know who does? My wife. Why? Because she was a teenage girl once. I was never a teenage girl, so I don't get it. So know that. Tonight, if you do want to talk to me, fantastic. If you're a lady, I'm going to pull a lady into the conversation. Um, And Amber, if you're a guy, she's going to pull a guy into the conversation. That's just how we do things around here. Um, But if there's anything that was said that you're like, man, like, I just want to know more about that. I want to go deeper into a conversation. Some of this deserves a lot more time. Some of these questions we could have talked all night about. Go find a leader. Go talk to them. Go, go have a discussion. Not all the leaders will have all the answers, but man, we'll walk, we'll walk some of this out with you. Know this, if you're in this room, we love you. If you're in this room, God loves you. God loves people outside of this room as well, but maybe you a little bit extra because you're here. Um, and He has a plan for your life. And Here's what I feel right now. I feel like some of you guys have been going through life and there's been a part of you that has been interested in God, you've been um, intrigued, and you've kind of wanted, honestly, like a relationship with God. You've wanted to know him more, but what you thought was, I need to have these questions answered before I go to God. And tonight you're kind of understanding that you can actually just bring your questions to God. And so what I want to do before we leave is just give anybody an opportunity to get into a relationship with God and to bring Him all the questions, all the struggles, all the junk. Because guess what? God loves you exactly how you are, exactly where you're at. He loves you so much. He's got a plan for your life. This is how much He loves you, that He sent His Son to die on a cross for your sins. That's how much God loves you. And so if you're here tonight, and maybe you have been like, man, I have so many questions. Tonight's your chance to come to God with your questions and say, man, on a journey with you, God, I know a lot of these are going to get answered. Some of them won't. There's some things this side of heaven that we'll never know, but the best way that you can live out your life is like this. God, here's the pen of my life. Would you write my story? Hey, would you guys bow your heads? Would you close your eyes?